Lord is good. We started a new series uh, last week, and I primarily teach in series more than Daniel chapter 7. And, uh, and I started out last week, I want to kind of reiterate just a little bit what we, what we shared last week because we, uh, there's so much that I didn't cover, I thought I would last week, but I want to get right back into this. And, and it, it's good to review certain things because of, the, because of the importance of what's being said. I was thinking about right before the new year started, right before January 1st, I began to think about what is, because I've ta- I talked to a lot of different people, not just people in this church, but other ministers across the, the, this nation from time to time, you know, and, and one of the things that seems to be a common thread, if you will, with people, not only ministers, but people in churches, is that the time that we live in right now has been a time of pressure, Amen. a time of intense pressure, pressure to give up, to quit, to change your mind about what you believe, to give up on standing for something that you want to see God do in your life. And there's two things that can become your enemy when it comes to your faith, and it's this thing right here. And your calendar. Amen. Because you know God works in the, in the realm of eternity. We work in, the, in a time zone. We work in a time realm. And a lot of times if we haven't seen certain things happen. Then what we've stood believing for can almost seem like a fairy tale. You know what I'm saying? But the fact of the matter is. There's a spirit. And I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm just, it's the truth. There's a spirit that's in this world. And Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 is talking about the Antichrist. Now you don't have to worry about him. Amen. Now he may or may not be in the earth right now, but but we know he's going to come because it was prophesied that it's going to come. And it says right here in verse 25 that he shall speak great words. Now the church will not be here. We will be raptured up before the Antichrist has his rule and reign for just seven years. Okay, But the church will be raptured out of here, and I don't have time to prove that right now. But he says, he shall speak great words against the Most High. See, his, his arsenal is words. And he shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into the hand until time of times and the dividing of time. Now, I want you to notice right there that one of the things that the Antichrist will do is he will try to wear out the saints. Say, wear out. Okay. Have you ever felt worn out before? You know, it's like, man, I get up another day and just press on and press on. Sometimes it can have a wearing effect. Now, this is talking, of course, about the Antichrist. However, the Bible says, and if you have your Bibles, go to 1 John chapter 4, that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. The spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. And we have to be aware of that. And it says in 1 John 2, 1 John 4, verses 2 through 4, it says, Whereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even, notice this, and even now is already in the world. Now that was written 2,000 years ago. And it's the same way today. But notice verse 4. But you are of God. Now that's talking about us. But we are of God, little children, and we have overcome them. Who's them? Demons, evil spirits. We have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Say the greater one. The mighty one. The powerful one. Lives in me. Hallelujah. And when you got saved, big Jesus moved on the inside of you and little devil moved out. <laughs> big Jesus. Everything God is, is big and mighty and strong. There's nothing small about God. There's nothing weak about God. But notice right here, it says that the spirit of Antichrist is in the world today. Now let's, t- let's take that word. We saw this last word. The word anti means against. Christ means the anointed one. It's not Jesus' last name. Anti-anointing. Anti-Christ. 
The devil hates the anointing. And that's why churches that pursue the anointing are a major target of the devil. Amen. Amen. Because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Now, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I might preach a little bit here. I'm more of a teacher, but sometimes I get to preach on me. Amen. But I'll tell you what. uh, The... uh, Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Notice this. Who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Now God anointed, anointed fresh oil. That's why David said, Lord anoint me with fresh oil. And that, that anointing is the person of the Holy Spirit. And when you're born again and you're a child of God, the first thing we should find out when we get saved is your body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you got your sins forgiven. Amen. Thank God for that. But it's more than that. That's a start. You got your sins forgiven, but then God says, I'm going to place within you my spirit. And he placed his spirit on the inside of us. And that's why we can say greater is he who is in us. It's not that we're great. We're not. We're nothing in ourselves. Jesus even said, I can of my own self do nothing. But any good that you see in us is a a direct correlation to the God that lives on the inside of us. Amen. Now, God chose to use us, his body, to express himself through to the world. And people in your sphere of influence, you know, every one of us here in this room, you know, there's, there's a certain sphere of influence of people around you that no one else has. You know, in your, in your, in where you work, your neighborhood, the people that you know, and it's all different for each one of us. But, you know, God wants to manifest himself to you and ultimately through you to the people that live around. You know, I'm a byproduct of what other people Uh, that came into my life that were a true representative of God that changed my life. I remember the guy that led me to the Lord. I mean, man, there was just something about that guy. His name was Ike. You know what I'm saying? Boy, Ike had a really rough past. You know, he was, man, he was, (laughs) he was, uh, he said, I was a professional sinner. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, he really, but he got radically saved and I tell you what, he, he got a hold of me as a 16-year-old teenager and shared the gospel with me and another friend of mine who gave our hearts to the Lord. But there was something that we saw in him that I'd never seen in anybody else. It was riveting. It grabbed my attention. He was confident. He was bold. I never saw anybody like that. And it was just, he was so convincing and so convicted. He had such a conviction about him, I couldn't help but do anything else. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. But see, God, you, God, people will experience God through you. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect because in the flesh, none of us are perfect in the flesh. But your spirit is perfect. The Bible talks about spirits of just men made perfect. Amen. And your spirit is perfect. And that's where the, the God that lives inside of you lives inside your spirit, in your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, Jesus was a full expression of the anointing of God. You know, here's something that's interesting. We see the four Gospels. Now, this isn't everything that Jesus said or did because the Gospel John says if everything was written, which Jesus said and did, he said, I suppose even the books itself couldn't contain them. Do you ever read that scripture? So, but what we do have is a compilation of in these four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of things that the Holy Spirit wanted in there for us to see and to hear, even though He did many other things. But believe me, there's enough in the four Gospels. That's, all, <laughs> that's, that's enough to get us started right there. But Jesus spent three-fourths of His earthly ministry healing the sick. Three-fourths. Hallelujah. Someone says, well, you know, healing's really not that important. Salvation's important. Yeah, I know, but I know what you're saying, but it's a full package. Yeah. Don't just put one piece of the pie over here and leave out the rest. I mean, Jesus Christ is a Savior. Jesus Christ is a healer. Jesus Christ is a provider. Right. Jesus Christ Amen. is everything that you'll ever need in this life. 
He is your all and your all. Now over in Isaiah chapter 10, let's go there real quickly. In Isaiah chapter 10, and we're talking about the spirit of Antichrist that's in the world today. And this is the spirit that tries to wear you and I out. Okay? Opposition. Oppose. Anti. Oppose. Okay? Now sometimes the devil will use a person. A lot of times he does. He'll use a person that's clueless. They don't even know they're being controlled by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh them to children of disobedience, Ephesians chapter 2. And all of us at one time before we were saved, we were controlled by that spirit. We didn't even know it. We were led around by the nose. We didn't even know it. Okay? But the spirit of Antichrist means against. Okay? For example, if you take a Bible, let's just say a black King James Bible, you know, with a leather, and it says Holy Bible on the front, and you take that on a uh, public transportation, the T or something like that, it's going to make some people very uncomfortable. They may not want to sit next to you. Amen? Other people that understand it, they'll be like, hey, praise the Lord, glory to God. You know what I'm saying? I love that book, you know? Amen? But the fact is, there's another spirit called Antichrist. The Antichrist is against. You know know the devil hates God. But we hate the devil. Amen? Amen. That's one person you're allowed to hate. Amen? (laughs) That's the only person is the devil. But over here in in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off of thy shoulder and the yoke from off of thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. We call it yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God. Hallelujah. Do you know as a Christian you have that on the inside of you? Now you say, well, Pastor, I sure don't feel like it. You know, I woke up this morning. I sure don't feel anointed. Well, you know, did you feel your heart this morning? Did you feel your brain this morning? Did you feel your lungs? Probably not. But they're, they're still in there. Yes. And now see, you have the anointing of God on the inside of you. Yoke destroying, burden removing power of God. When I first started ministering many, many years ago, I was, it was actually in a Bible study. And I tell you, the first time I taught in this Bible study, I remember it was in Carol's house. <laughs> And, uh, and there was probably 15 to 20 people there, you know, and I was just as nervous as anything, you know, and I wasn't, I just graduated from Bible school, and I'm telling you, I just was so green and so new at this, and I remember sharing some things, and I was, I was so self-conscious of, of what I was saying, and I was messing up words and stumbling and things like that, you know, and, and but in my mind's eye, I thought, I just made a major disaster here, I was thinking that. And I, I went, we took a little break. I went into the powder room just to get away from the people. And I, I looked in the mirror and I says, I will never preach again. <laughs> That's what I said. But you know, you know, the funny thing about it was other people didn't see it that way. In fact, some people gave their hearts to the Lord at the end of that Bible study. And I remember, I remember we were living with my parents at that time. We were just moved back, you know, and some, from Texas. And we were living with my folks and uh, and uh, and I was just I was having a pity party. I was just I was all depressed and everything. And and I you know when you live with a Holy Ghost filled wife, you don't get away with that too too much. And my wife, I mean, the fire of God came on her, and, and she just jerked the slack out of me, or slacked the jerk out of me, whatever you want to say. But it was good. I needed it. She said, you are called of God. You're anointed. I remember her saying that. You know, I was like, thanks. I needed that. It's like, it's like that commercial. Thank you. I needed that, you know. And um, so moving fast forward, you know, uh, because I, I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in that, you know. But then I began to see, hey, God called me. God anointed me. And so I began moving forward, I began to look into the mirror and I would say, I would look and point myself in the mirror and say, you are anointed of God. Now that's not prideful, that's just being scriptural. You are anointed of God. You have the mind of Christ. You have the wisdom of God and you will preach with boldness, you know. And I would say that over, I would look in the car mirror and do that sometimes at a red light. Not while I'm driving. And I would say that uh, and, and what happens is, is you start to persuade yourself. You know, you can become fully persuaded one way or the other. If there's, any, if there's ever an area that we need to be fully persuaded in, because the devil, the Antichrist spirit, fought me tooth and toenail before I went into the ministry because I could not speak publicly. 
I failed speech class miserably. I got an F in it. Okay? I was not good in front of people. It was, I was a nervous wreck in front of people. And yet God was, I felt that he was calling me. I thought, are you kidding me? You've got to be kidding me. I can't even speak. Make a long story short, the Lord began to deal with me. He said, look, I didn't call you because you could speak. I called you to lean on me. I called you to rely on me. And so that was new to me at that time. I thought, okay, all right, this is a new way. Now, Lord, show me how to do that, you know. So little by little, didn't happen all at once, but I began to, to realize and rely upon the Lord. Sometimes you read in your Bible, you, God calls the people the foolish things of the world that confound the wise. God chose Moses who, who stuttered, right? And Moses said, you call the wrong person God. And the Lord says, I'll be with your mouth. I mean, you know, he's one of the greatest prophets ever that had signs and wonders and miracles more than any prophet. You know what I'm saying? And, and you look at, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, the guy was hiding in a wine press. Gideon. Gideon. When, when the Lord came to Gideon, you know, he was hiding in a wine press from the Midianites because they were attacking the Israelites. I love this story, you know. And he's all in fear. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And he says, Oh, Gideon, mighty man of valor. And it's like he turned around and said, who are you talking to? He says, I'm from the poorest tribe in Manasseh. I'm of the, I grew up on the other side of the track, so to speak. You know, I don't have what it takes, you know. And the Lord chose Gideon to lead the Israelites into victory. 300 mighty men. Amen. Praise the Lord. So God will choose the people that are most unlikely to do work for him sometimes. Because that way, when he does it, you know who gets all the glory? Who gets all the credit? I'm extremely careful to always, when anything happens good, to give God the glory. Because I know that any good thing that happens through me is really not from me. It's from him. But that's the safest place to be. Is just throw yourself back on him and say, Father, use me the way you want to use me. Talk to me. Talk through me. I prayed that right before we came out here today. This is not just business as usual. This isn't just another Sunday service. This is an appointment with God Almighty. Amen? Amen. And I know that some of you, you've had resistance. You've had things come against you. You've had like major resistance. But you know what? The Bible says, surely oppression will make a wise person mad in Ecclesiastes. And sometimes we just have to rise up on all fours, so to speak. We've got to say, no, you don't, devil. I'm, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. Amen? And if you make your mind up, I'm not stopping, I'm not quitting. You know, I, it's sad to say, but I know even ministers through the years. I've, known, I've been in the ministry since 1982. And I've seen, because of pressure, people change their doctrine, change what they believe. And it's the saddest thing in the world to see because they want to be able to help. They want to be able to grow their church or whatever. Amen. And the saddest thing in the world to see is when people change their doctrine, change their belief, and get away from the core foundation of what they were raised on in the Word of God. That's a sad place to be. But it all goes back to pressure. It goes back to pressure. Antichrist, anti-spirit. Amen? But, but we're not anti-Christ. We're pro-Christ. We're pro-anointing. Amen? Now, just because you have the anointing doesn't mean you're going to be weird. you understand? Sometimes people associate the anointing with being weird and crazy. No, 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 no. I'm telling you what, when you get the anointing on the inside of you and the, the grace of God on the inside of you, and you're going to be so effective, God will give you wisdom. That's why the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all what? Wisdom. The word of God will give you wisdom in how you deal with people. Amen. You know, some people you deal with them a certain way, but in other people's you, you can't deal with them the same way. How many find that with your children? Every kid's different. They respond differently. Okay? And if you try to put everybody in the same category, in the same way you deal with them, sometimes they try to do that in the, the doggone school system. Amen. And they think every kid should be this model kid. They should be just like this. But you know, some kids, they learn more with their hands on. Do you know that? Amen. Other kids learn with what they see. Amen. Every person's different. So you can't lump everybody into the same category and say, you have to be just like this. Okay? Yes. That, that, that really limits us. Amen. All right. Now, in Acts chapter 20, go over there real quick here. 
Now I said here last week, and I'll expound on this a little bit, but that everybody that, that did something significant in the Bible that we know about today, every one of them had resistance and they could have quit. Do you know that? Amen. Everybody that did something significant in the Bible that we have had resistance and could have quit. Moses, Joshua, Caleb, Elijah, David, Gideon, Nehemiah, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. And you, had more, you know who had more resistance than anybody? Jesus. Oh, the Son of God. All the other prophets pointed to Jesus, but Jesus, the Christ, he had more resistance. In fact, he had so much resistance that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he resisted against sin so strong that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been, I've been under pressure before, but I've never gotten under such pressure that I want to wipe my brow and it was red. But that's the kind of intense pressure that Jesus Christ was under. The Bible says that we have a high priest that can be easily touched with the feelings of infirmity. He knows what it's like to be tempted. Jesus knows. You'll never go to God and say, oh, Lord, I know you don't understand what I'm going through. Listen, he went through every temptation you can absolutely imagine. Now listen, being tempted is not a sin. If that were the case, Jesus would have been the biggest sinner of all. Because the Bible says the tempter came to him. That's the devil. And just because you're tempted to do something doesn't mean you're guilty. Okay? You can have bad thoughts all day long coming to your mind. But that's not your thought. Amen? There's a devil out there and there's demons out there that try to put thoughts inside your mind about quitting, giving up, caving in, or, or whatever. Negative. It's always negative. Satan's always on the negative end. Okay? But we have to learn to rise up and resist that anti-spirit. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm against the devil. I'm against the works of the devil. I'm against everything that he represents. Because Jesus is. And the spirit in us will resist and push back those things. Amen. You know, you stop and think about it for a minute. When it's when you resist something, you become stronger. Take, for example, people that use weights in a gym. Okay? The weights don't make you strong. You can walk into the greatest gym in America, walk around there with the greatest striped exercise suit, <laughs> Adidas and everything else, you know, walk around there, you know, and but if you don't lift some weights, if you don't resist some weights, you're still going to be this, the scrawny weakling that you are now. I'm just kidding. You know, okay? So it's not weight that makes you strong. It's when you resist weight and you push away pressure. It's pressure. You push away that, that your muscles become stronger. And it's, it's, so it is in the realm of spiritual things in the realm of life. It's, it's easy. The easiest thing to do is just say, Okay, Lord, whatever you want, you know. And I'll tell you one of the most dangerous doctrines, and I've said this before and I'll say it again today, the most dangerous doctrine that you can come across in the Christian world today, and I mean it's really dangerous, it's poison, is that God has everything under control. How many ever heard that phrase before? God has it all under control, okay? Listen, if God had everything under control, then why did three people die yesterday in the city? Okay, why was somebody robbed or raped or something like that? You hear about it every day on the news. You put it on. Okay, now if God was in control, then he sure has things in a mess because he's not in control of those people. See, God's only in control of the people that give their lives over to him. Okay, and so you have to realize um, we have to, not everything that happens in life is the will of God. Well, pastor, you know, the scripture... You know, all things work together for good for them that love God, right? Well, listen, that's one verse of Scripture. You've got to take it in context. Paul is specifically in Romans chapter 8. He's talking about praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit. And when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God and all things work together for good. Amen. Okay? But there have been more lives destroyed, destroyed. I've, I've heard it. I've seen it more than anything. That, that, that grasp this. Oh, God has everything under control. Everything that happens in my life is the purpose and plan of God. Let me tell you something. There are some things the devil wants to bring your way. 
Amen? Now, if that, if that were the case, then why would Jesus pray this? He said, pray that the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. There are some things that are happening in the earth that are not God's will. But it is our job to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And if my body's sick and full of disease, that is not the will of God. The good news is you can be healed, whatever you have. There's no incurable disease with God. Mentally or physically. There's no incurable disease in God's hands. I say that by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Nothing is impossible to him that believes. <laughs> With God, all things are possible. All things are possible to you and to us if what we believe him. Hallelujah. So the easiest thing to do is, is not do anything, just kind of succumb to the pressure in life. It's, it's when you stand up and you say, no, no, you don't. Amen? Of course. Now, we're not glorifying the devil, but listen, when you get in your word, you come to church like this, and you start praying in the, praying in, in, in the Spirit and so forth, reading your Bible, you, the devil's not going to just lay back and say, just let him serve God, just let him serve. He's going to throw up every block, everything he can, and, and try to use other people to discourage you from following God. I guarantee it. What's that? Antichrist. Anti-anointing. Everything that's going to come up is going to try to keep you from being in church. It's going to try to keep you from getting in the Word, keep you from praying. It's called anti-Christ. Anti-spirit. Amen? Amen. Now, when I was first saved, I faced the same thing that everybody else faced. I really did. But I knew where my help would come from. I had friends of mine, man, the first sign of resistance, man, you'd, you'd back off. You wouldn't see them anymore. They quit serving God, you know. And I thought, how can you do that? I think, how in the world can a person do that? You know, you come to Christ, you had a glorious conversion, then all of a sudden a little pressure is applied to you, and then now you can't handle this? You've got to be kidding me. Well, what's our answer? It's kind of like the Israelites, you know, when they got under pressure in the wilderness, and the first thing they wanted to do is go back to Egypt. Let's get us a new captain. Let's go back to Egypt. Remember that? And that's, that's what the flesh wants to do. It wants to go back to the way things were. Listen, you didn't have it better when you weren't saved. Are you kidding me? How good is it that if you were to die, you'd take your last breath, you leaped off into the pits of hell. That's not a good day. Amen? Praise God. So it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. In Acts chapter 20, verse 22, the Apostle Paul uh, said this. He says, and now, we talk, there we go. But now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Except the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Amen. In verse 24, Paul said this, but none of these things move me. Hmm. Neither count I my life dear unto myself that I might finish the course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, I want to ask you a question. Did Paul finish his race? Yes, he did. He said that I've finished my race. I've kept the faith. And I'll tell you, you talk about resistance. Paul, the Apostle Paul, from all natural evidence, it looked like he was always out of the will of God. Because you can never determine the will of God if things are smooth, smooth sailing. You can never determine that. Everything's going great. Money's coming in. You got this. Your, health, your body's good. Your family's doing good. I must be in the will of God. Listen, it looked like Paul was out, always out of the will of God. He had, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you can read a whole list of things. And this is, this is the thorn of the flesh that he's talking about. It had nothing to do with sickness or disease or calamity. It had to do with pressure. It had to do with personality, people that came against him. He says, you know, he's, he was persecuted in the city. Everywhere he went, people would chase him, try to kill him. One time he was actually left for dead. They stoned him in Galatia. And then God raised him up. The apostles surrounded him and he got raised up from the dead. Went into the city the very next day and started preaching the same gospel he was stoned for. He says, I was, I was beaten with rods. I was whipped three times, you know. I was shipwrecked. I was bitten by a snake, a poisonous viper. Sounds like a country song. <laughs> and um, 
But, you know, Paul said this statement right here. He said, none of these things move me. I don't know about you, but sometimes it helps to see what other people have gone through because it kind of keeps your perspective. Not in an unhealthy way, but you ever, have you ever gone through something and then you talk to somebody that's been through something worse than you? It kind of makes you feel better because you're like, whoa, if they went through it and you know, they made it through, then there's, there's hope for me. Are you, are you with me now? No, we can look at these examples like the Apostle Paul. I mean, that guy went through hell on earth. But he had a heavenly visitation of an omission from God to carry out the will of God. When Jesus appeared to him, he goes, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. That's it, for my name's sake, nothing else. And the persecution that he, that he went through. Paul even said in Timothy, he says, of all the persecution, afflictions, he says, I endured them all. Paul said that in Timothy, to Timothy. And he said, the Lord delivered me out of every one of them. <laughs> when he was beaten with rods, when he was shipwrecked, when he was snake bitten by a poisonous viper, they call the two-step snake. When you're bitten by this viper, you take two steps, bam, you're gone. But he made it through that and had major revival break out on the island of Malta because they were expecting him to fall dead because they saw, they saw what happened. Of their, he's making a fire after they had just had their shipwreck, you know. And he's cold, it's raining, it's and everything. And he, he reaches in there to get a stick and a poisonous viper came out and, vi- and, and bit him. And the, the people of that island knew what kind of snake. It's probably like a black mumba or something like that. You know what I mean? Those snakes in Africa, uh, very dangerous, very, very aggressive, very dangerous. And he was bit by this viper, and the people thought, he's going to be dead. And when they realized he wasn't, they started thinking, he must be a god then. They thought he was a god. Make a long story short, he had a major revival on that island there because of a miracle that took place. But Paul resisted the enemy. Paul resisted the, the, the temptation to quit and to give up. Amen. He says, none of these things move me. Say that. None of these things, of these things, move, things move, me. move me. Okay. You have, to, you have to be honest. You have to be just blunt and be honest with yourself. What has moved me lately? What type of pressure has moved me? What type of pressure is trying to keep me out of the will of God in my life? And don't make excuses. Well, if it wasn't for so-and-so and this thing, you know, we don't want to make excuses. We've got to just step up and say, step up to the plate and say, you know what, I'm going to face this thing. I'm going to deal with this thing. And I'm going to resist. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Oppose. Resist. Oppose. Oppose the devil. Resist the devil. And what's the Bible say? He'll flee from you. He'll run as if in terror. Now, how do you resist the devil? You do it with the scriptures, with the word of God. It is written. Speak the word of God. Now, I wrote down here that Paul was able to finish his race by not being moved by outward pressure and becoming self-conscious. He says, none of these things move me. He says, I count not my life dear unto myself. In other words, there's something much bigger, there's something much greater in my life that I want to achieve. achieve. And if I give up now, if I quit right now, then a whole generation of people will be unaffected. Now listen, you know this. This is nothing new to you that are here. But you know, how much of the New Testament did Paul write? Three-fourths? What we consider the New Testament. Paul the Apostle, who was Saul of Tarsus prior to his conversion, right? A chief persecutor of the church. When he received Christ and made him the Lord of his life and received the call in his life, he had revelation from heaven. He says, I was caught up into the third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12. And God revealed to him the mystery of Christ that he wrote in a few words, which is... Not just a few words, it's three-fourths of the New Testament. And there's probably not a Sunday that goes by that we're not reading one of Paul's epistles that are anointed by the Spirit of God. How do I know I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus? Because the Apostle Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 5.17. How do I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ? 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul's letters. Amen. Amen. And we have, we have the New Testament written by a guy 
that just wouldn't quit, that just wouldn't give up. He stood up and said, no, 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 no. What everybody here, you have, it might be different, but there has to be something that you have to resist. Okay? And I would say this, if you're not resisting something, you're giving in to something. There are some things we should embrace, but there's other things we need to resist. Okay? Resistance is a good thing because it makes you stronger. It makes you stronger. Now, if you're looking for a brand of Christianity that's just smooth sailing, everything's good, you won't find it. You just won't find it. Okay? The Bible says in Mark chapter 4 that when the Word of God is sown into the hearts of people, that Satan comes immediately to try to take away the Word. And he comes with a persecution, affliction, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches and lust of other things. Try to enter in, that's pressure. Try to take the Word out of you. That's, and we have to resist those things, the cares of this world. That's one of the things that tries to choke the Word of God on the inside of us. Amen? In other words, you're worried about something. You're concerned about something. Um, gosh, man. We are to resist worry and fear. Like a poisonous snake. Oh, yeah. The enemy comes at you with some kind of fear, some kind of a worry, you know. Puts a picture in your mind of being defeated. Oh, you know. You have to stand up against that and say, oh, no, you don't. Because you know what? God is so good, he'll put a new picture inside of you. He'll put a new picture. That's why if a person's sick, don't look at pictures of people sick. Look at people that are healthy. God will put a new picture on the inside of you for what He wants for you. Are you with me now? Praise the Lord. Now Paul was able to finish his race by simply not being moved. Say, not be moved. Now that's the name of our seers. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. Okay. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time yet, but let's take, some, let's take step number one. Step number one, how can you not be moved as a Christian? Okay? Now, how many here, let me take a quick survey. How many of you known people that started out in, in, the, in the faith, but then they got away from the faith? Raise your hand if you know people. Anybody here? Okay, that's a good majority of people. Well, we know that that's not the will of God. That's not the will of God. So what happens? Now, we have to keep, here's the first step to not being moved in your life, is you have to keep, number one, keep the Word of God before your eyes. Keep the Word of God before your eyes. Uh, Josh, go over to Psalm 16, verse 8. And I'll just refer to this. In, in Psalm 16, 8, David, by the Spirit of God, said this, now this is a messy. By the way, Psalm 16 is a messianic prophecy about Jesus, the coming Messiah. Okay, many of the Psalms were actually prophetic in talking about Jesus. Okay, and the whole book of Psalm chapter 16 is one of those Psalms. And he says, "I have set the Lord always before me, because He is at my right hand." Notice this: I shall not be moved. Now the Bible says, I believe, I believe it's in the book of Isaiah, that when Jesus was going to the cross, that He set His face like flint. What's that mean? He set his face like flint. Means this. It means I have my eyes on the goal. I'm not going to look to the right or to the left. I have one goal. Bam. Amen. He said, I set my eyes like flint. And that's why when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your be done. And then, of course, that, there's no other way. The Lord said, this is the plan of salvation, okay? But think, Jesus went through hell and came back for us. People figured, figuratively said, man, I went through hell last year. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah, I went through some hell last year in 2019. Well, you might have had some symptoms of hell, but you didn't go through hell. Jesus literally went through the place of hell. See, his... His suffering wasn't just on the cross. He died and went to hell for three days and three nights. He went to hell there so that you didn't have to. He took your place. He took your place. Not only on the cross, 
but in the corridors of hell. He became sin. Hallelujah. We know that he took. And the punishment was just beginning on the cross. But had he not have gone to that torment side of hell. Now he didn't stay there of course because God brought his spirit in there and raised him from the dead. Glory to God. But Jesus literally went through hell because he saw the big picture. When he was in the garden sweating drops of blood. You know what he saw there? He didn't just look at the immediate. He didn't look at the... See, that's where we get in trouble, all of us, is we start looking at the immediate pressure instead of looking at the what's up ahead. How many people in your life will benefit from you obeying God? You may not see immediate results, but ultimately people will see it and they'll be impacted by that. Just like Adam and Eve when they sinned. Now it didn't, it sure, it's sure enough it affected them, but look at who affected the whole human race. Amen. Romans 5.17 talks about for, for by one's man's offense of disobedience, death reigned by one, that's Adam. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Both of those men made decisions that, in fact, that impacted the human race. Jesus, obedience. Hallelujah. And, and, and he says, I've set, when, when Jesus was under pressure, I believe he could see in the spirit you and me today serving God because of the sacrifice that he made. Amen. That's what he did. That's the only thing that kept him going. He saw the end result. He didn't just look at the immediate. That's where we all get in trouble. We look at the immediate instead of the future of what, what we're doing, how it's going to impact our future. Amen. He says, I've set before the Lord. He is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Now I could say it like this. I've set the word of God before me and I shall not be moved. Praise the Lord. The word of God. So in wrapping this up today, let's close with this scripture in Proverbs chapter 4, if you would. Proverbs chapter 4. The first way that you can keep from being moved... So remember the name of the series, I Am Not Moved. I Am Not Moved. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Is to keep the Word of God before your eyes. Now, this scripture will bear that out here. Verse 20, that's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend unto my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now before I read the rest, the next two verses here, I want you to notice that he's talking about your ears and your eyes. What you see and what you hear. Amen. Amen. That's kind of interesting. God gave you one mouth, but He gave you two ears and two eyes. We need to do twice as much listening, twice as much seeing before we talk. <laughs> how, how much trouble would we be if we had two mouths? Amen. <laughs> Just something to think about, right? But notice He says, Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life, verse 22, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Now the word health right there, now the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The word health is the word medicine. If you have a margin in your Bible, it will bear that out. It's the actual Hebrew word for medicine. And God says, my words are life not death, but life to those that find them, and health, medicine, to how much of their flesh? All of their flesh. Now here we see where the battleground is. is what, what you're hearing and what you're seeing. Amen? And so we have to be really particular. You know, I mean, this is not bondage. This is actually freedom. We need to be very selective and very particular about what we hear and what we see. Because what we hear and what we see can affect the condition of our heart. Lamentations, the writer of Jeremiah said this. He says, mine eye affecteth mine heart. In other words, what you look at will affect the condition of your heart. 
Has anybody here ever have a, seen a movie before? I'm not saying a bad movie, but it, where, where it moves you? Okay. You know, you see a, a, a good movie. There's, there are some good movies out there, but, you know, and it moves you to tears, something like that. You know, you can be moved where maybe an hour before that you weren't at all. Now, we have two doorways into our heart, and it's through the eye gate through the ear gate. And that's why it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues, the forces of life. Okay? So, years ago, I remember talking to someone who had a terminal disease. And uh, when I went to pray for them, went into their room, they had some filthy trash soap opera playing when I walked in. Are you with me? And I think, you're on your deathbed? And you have time for this trash? Well, they didn't make it. Thank God they went to heaven. They were Christian. You know what I'm saying? But, and there's a lot more to it than that. But what I'm saying is, we have to guard our ears and we have to guard our eyes. Amen. Because what, what we put in us, is a, that's what's going to come out of us. What you put in your eyes and you put in your ears is directly a result of what you're going to speak out of your mouth. We believe, therefore we speak. Now, that can be good or bad. What you believe, out of the Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You can always tell, even spending just a few minutes with a person, what's in their heart because it comes out their mouth. That's all of us. What's in a person's heart in abundance is going to come out of their mouth. There's a saying that was used during World War, World, World War WW2, better way to say it. <laughs> and the phrase was this, loose lips sink ships. Yeah. Now those people that get, you know what I'm saying, kind of tell the enemy what we're about to do. Yeah. That's not wise. Right. Amen? Amen? That's one thing I like about our, our president. He has enough to blab everything he's going to do to the enemy. Like former presidents would do. Amen. Are you with me now? Amen. Because you can't always tell the devil what you're going to do. Or he can make a counter and try to change that, right? Amen. But what we put in our eyes, what we put in our ears, is vitally important. And we're talking about, I am not moved. I am not moved. Okay? So, you know... There's an on and off switch. Sometimes you need to turn off certain things, but there's other things you need to turn on. I'm so thankful that we live in a day and age with, with the technology that's out there. You know, I mean, I came from 8-track tapes, you know what I'm saying, back in the day, right? Yeah. Boy, it's is, it is, it's progressed so much more now. You've got these phones that you could put thousands of hours of teaching and stuff on here. Go to YouTube and watch ministers that were preaching 35, 40, 50 years ago and hear and be selective about what you hear. Okay? Now, if you're standing for healing in your physical body, you don't want to hear a message why it's God's will that not everybody's healed. Are you with me now? Amen. That's the kind of teaching that's poisonous. Why God doesn't heal everybody. That's the last thing you want to hear if you need healing in your body. Because the doubt will be there. The fear will be there. You will not have the confidence. I want to ask you a question here. Is it God's will that you be saved? Raise your hand if you believe that. Take it a step further. Is it God's will that everybody be saved? Yes. 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 Hallelujah. We're on agreement, aren't we? full agreement. Now, I could say it like this. You're fully persuaded that if you came across, right after the service, you came across a person that was bound in sin and bound that if you had the opportunity to lead them to Christ, you would never stop and pray saying, Now, Lord, is it your will to save this sinner right now? You wouldn't do that. 
Because you know in your heart, you know in your heart of hearts, because your mind has been renewed to the fact that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen? Amen. Jesus died for all people. So you're firmly convinced, thank God, you're convinced, you're fully persuaded that anybody and everybody could be saved given the opportunity. So when you go into that situation, you have absolute full confidence. You're like, mm, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I use that illustration because that's with, your, with, with a person's salvation. What about the healing of a person's body? Now, if I ask the same question, is it God's will that everybody be healed? Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, in some circles, you say that, they're like, no, no, Pastor Keith, it's not God's. Some people don't receive some. That's like saying it's not God's will to save everybody. Okay. Now, where, where's the problem been? A lack of teaching Amen. of the Word of God. Okay. When, when people are taught properly. I mean, we've been doing healing school for, for years. I don't, I don't even count how many years. now. We've been doing faith and healing school. Remedy, we call it. You know, I mean, that's a pretty important class. Amen. Amen? It, it's something that say, I need to be a part of that. <laughs> Not just like, well, I'm feeling okay. I really don't need that. Listen, at some point you'll need it. And plus to minister to other people healing. It's vitally important. Some people's lives are, are depending on us. They're hang, their lives are hanging in the balance. Amen. I know people that, 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 that I've, some people that I've prayed for shouldn't even be here right now in, the, in this world, but they're healed. Glory to God. To the glory of God. And I'm talking like people come in and say, give them their last rites, that kind of a thing, like that far gone. But they're alive today. Amen? Amen? So, listen, if we can be fully persuaded, not be moved by our salvation experience, my God, you know, that, well as I do, that we can be fully persuaded when it comes to God um, healing our bodies, keeping us healthy, Amen. and also providing for us, yes. God's provision for us, yes. God taking care of our children. Yes. Amen? When was the last time you ever worried your kids into the kingdom of God? When was the last time you ever worried yourself into better health? When was the last time you worried money into your bank account? Well, it hasn't happened. Amen? Amen. But I'll tell you what. When we, we lay all things aside, we can become fully persuaded with God's word See, I think this is the biggest thing right here when it comes to not being moved is become fully persuaded of what God's Word says. Okay? Because I, I, I know when I first got, got born again, and, I, and I, it was a few years before I heard about the gospel of, of healing. And uh, I, was, I was in my work truck. I was just a 20-year-old kid and driving for a mining company on my red Ford F-150 on I-70 in New Stam. I remember exactly where it was before they did all the reconstruction up there. And R.W. Schambach was preaching, not teaching, but preaching about divine healing. And at that time, at that time, I had severe allergies. I mean severe, springtime. And my eyes would get swollen to the point where I couldn't even hardly open them. It was so bad, you know. And... Uh, but I heard the word of God. He wasn't just teaching. He was preaching it. Jesus took my infirmities, bore my sicknesses. You know, and whatever he said really persuaded me. And I remember in the cab of that truck, in that two-seated truck, I, I, you know, now they've got four seats, you know what I mean? Or for four people in trucks here. This is just a two-seater. I rose up on the inside of me, stood up on all my spiritual hind legs, if you will, and I said, no, you don't, devil. And I, and I screamed out loud. I said, take this thing off of me in Jesus' name. I break this thing off of me. Because when I heard the word of God, sufficient faith came to me, and, and it's, it just it riveted me. It was like, yeah, yeah. And so when I said that, it left within seconds. Hallelujah. My eyes popped open. The tears stopped flowing. You know what I mean? The, the, all that stuff that goes with that, you know. But I'll tell you what, before that, I didn't know about it. 
I didn't know. I didn't know. My people are Jesus. Or the Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Well, I was being destroyed in that area because I didn't know. Amen. But the scripture says the entrance of his word gives light. And so as you hear the word of God, you get light about certain things, you know. And, and that, that's why I always endeavor that when we come together, I know we only have a few minutes together on a Sunday morning. That's just one day out of the week, just for an hour, hour and a half, one day a week. But that, that hour and a half that you spend here is vitally important to how the rest of the week is going to go. Amen. But I'm very conscious of the fact that I have a limited time with you, you know, and that what I want to give out to you, I want it to be the good meat of the Word of God that will help you to overcome adversity in this life. Every one of our messages that we preach, I don't care what it is, is geared to making you a winner in life, not a loser. It's easy to become a loser, but it's another thing to become a winner. That God wants all of us to win in life. He wants us to win in our family. He wants us to win in our relationships. He wants us to win in our physical bodies. He wants us to win in the financial realm. He wants us to win, win, win. Amen? You're going to love winning so much, you'll never get tired of it. <laughs> more winning, more winning, more victory, more, more, more. That's what God has for you. God has victory. The Lord has not run out of victory. And the Lord has not lost his ability to defeat your enemies before you. The Lord is mighty in battle. And he still knows how to fight battles. But he's going to do it through you, through the power of his spirit. To crush the enemy and to put him under your feet. And to say, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. I command every symptom of sickness or pain to go now from your body. If you're, if you're experiencing anything, just lay hands on yourself right now. I command every sickness, every pain, every disease, go in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name right now. Receive right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Be thou healed. Receive his healing now in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord, for that anointing right now working inside each person in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. 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 I hear these words in my spirit, and I'm just going to speak it out, prophesy it right now. I have not lost the ability to bring deliverance to the captives. I have not lost the ability to heal the brokenhearted. I have not lost the ability to heal those that are oppressed by the devil. For don't you know the same spirit that resided inside of me when I was on this earth 2,000 years ago is the same spirit that resides on the inside of you. So as you rise up and march forward with a new boldness and a new confidence, you'll know that my anointing resides in you and upon you to set people free. Be bold and be confident to seize opportunities to pray for people when they arise. Be bold in my name to lay hands upon the sick and watch them recover. Be bold to do what I've said in my word. For you see, there is a spirit that's in this world, the spirit of Antichrist, but that's nothing compared to me. For you see, the greater one, the greater one, the mighty one, and the powerful one dwells on the inside of you, and he is no match, the devil is no match for him. So rise up in faith. Be like a child and say, this belongs to me. I'm going to walk in it today. Don't wait for a special feeling. Don't wait for a special this or that. But just take me at my word and rise up and you'll see great things happen. Hallelujah. And there'll be great cause for rejoicing in your household. For you'll see, you'll see and then you'll say, look at the great things that the Lord has done. Wherefore, we are glad. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. I break the power of sorrow, sadness right now. I break you, you foul devil right now. You take your hands off. Anybody that's dealing with sorrow, with uh, grief, I break your power in Jesus' name over every person in this room right now. Anybody that's dealing with grief, I break your power, Satan. Now you take your hands off them right now. May the joy of the Lord come upon them, Lord, and replace that. The joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Yeah, thank you, Lord. And there's somebody that's been dealing with a lot of confusion lately. It's been an onslaught of confusion that's tried to come to your mind. I take authority over that in Jesus' name. No more confusion. No more hearing this voice and that voice, this voice and that voice. No, you hear the voice of the good shepherd. You follow his voice. And the voice of a stranger you will not follow. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, you know, uh, the Lord's teaching us and He's training, training us. That's what today was. I, and I'll be honest, I stand back here and I'm listening to myself speak because a lot, most of this stuff I didn't even prepare to say. It's just coming right up out of my spirit, out of my mouth, you know. So I'm learning along with everybody else. But we're in preparation. We're in training. God is training us. So every time we come, we just hook right back up, and we're learning more. We're growing more. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's all stand up and just give God praise this morning. We close out the service today.